Good morning, good morning. Thank you uh, to everyone uh, on the team. Uh, we do church as a team around here, and so uh, we're going to a lot of trouble uh, to make sure this is not a one-man band, and, and, uh, and so I am so thankful for Andrew and Chrissy and everybody else that steps up on a weekly basis, but it really is meaningful to be able to get away for a couple weeks, and uh, I don't call and check on things, and I don't want to hear about it if the church was going to burn down, I said, call Andrew, you know, he's closer. I was 12 hours away on the beach at Outer Banks and just enjoying time with my family and, uh, and just got away and, and it's important to be able to do that. And so I wanted to thank a couple speakers. They're not here today, but um, just so you know, when I take off a Sunday, I take it really personally that, that whoever is up here is going to bring something that you guys need and it's really good actually it's healthy to have a variety of speakers it's good to have different perspectives uh, different ages uh, races and so uh, hopefully Pastor Shondell and Brother Emmanuel just really blessed you all the last couple weeks and uh, just two good men of God and and um, and uh, so we 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 take it seriously on on what happens up here. So so even if I'm away, honestly, you're probably going to get a better speaker. And so uh, don't ever think that uh, you're going to get shortchanged uh, when I'm away. So anyways, um, so excited about the July agenda. Uh, this is on purpose. Uh, it's a natural kind of a lull in a, in a church cycle. Uh, but we don't want to check out as a church in the summer. And so those events are on purpose. We're not trying to do a lot of things. We're trying to do a few strategic things so that we can maintain a presence and be growing through the summer. And uh, one other thing that's in two Sundays that I'm so excited about is we're doing a worship night. And so uh, Sunday evening, two weeks from now, uh, Adam and, and the team are putting together an extended time. We should have about an hour and a half of worship. All the team members are going to rotate in and out through the night, and we're just going to chase after God. So if those three songs never quite feel like enough, which is how I feel on a Sunday morning, uh, we're going to go after it. So hopefully you can make it uh, for that. But anyways, I am anxious to start our new series. It's actually really a, a, a two-part, like a series that are two parts of a larger collection. And the reason why we would do something like that is, is because to tackle a topic like gender on a Sunday, one Sunday or even two, is just not even possible to do it justice. And so um, we are going after uh, this new series called Something Strong, How Men Uniquely Reflect the Image of God. Are there any men in the house? Give me a classic Tim Allen. Ooh, ooh. Give me a, all right, we got some guys in here. This is a companion series to something beautiful that I taught in the month of May. And uh, God just put this series, uh, set of series on my heart. And uh, you can catch up on Facebook. It uh, has the links. And uh, our website is picktownfc.com. And if you, are, if you like our page, you will know when the, current, when the newest series are posted and available. And so occasionally we have glitches. Anybody have glitches and things that they do? So occasionally a message doesn't make it, but uh, the team does a really good job of getting most of those up, and we appreciate that. So we are discovering what true beauty and what true strength looks like. My screen keeps zooming in, and it's frustrating me to no end. So if you keep seeing me, like, get upset, uh, that's what's going on up here. The world defines beauty by our appearance, and the world defines strength by our abilities. 
So these are surface, outside things. These are external things. And I like to look pretty. Had a shirt on this morning, a t-shirt. I was doing some cleaning uh, at the beginning before the service. And Danielle was barely awake, but enough to look at me and say, are you preaching in that? (laughs) Which is code for, that's the nice way after 23 years of marriage of, you look dumb, change your shirt. And uh, I said, no. I said, I'm wearing this shirt to clean the bathrooms. I said, I'm taking a nice shirt. And she went back to sleep. That made her happy. So we all worry about our appearance. I like to know how to do things. I tend to be a jack of all trades, master of none. I like to know how to do things. But God's ideas about strength and beauty are different, quite different. And so today we're taking a three-week journey, we're beginning a journey to define true strength by looking at how men uniquely reflect the image of God by looking at our primary relationships. Uh, Today we're going to look at what it means to be a brother, Uh, next week what it means to be a dad, and the third week what it means to be a husband. Now, The danger with doing a series like this and to even tell you what I'm going to talk about is that immediately it's like, well, I'm not a brother. I'm a girl. And uh, I don't have kids anymore, uh, you know, or I never had kids. Or or next week, you know, I'm an empty nester. Or I'm not married yet. Or I'm divorced now. And so I don't need to be here for two weeks from now. So... Anytime I do a message that focuses in on one group, I'm real conscientious that I don't want the other percentage, you know, the other groups of people to check out. Here's why you don't want to. If you haven't noticed, you're in a room full of men and women. You're going to go to a house that probably has a collection of males and females, including the pets that roam the stairs and click on the hardwood floors You most likely work with people of both sexes. And you most likely have family members of both sexes. So guess what? Gender is a big deal. And our culture is waging war on it. And so this series, regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of your marital status, or if you're a man or a woman, these weeks will benefit you and bring value to your life, I promise you. We all have this gender filter that affects everything that we do. Gender is the first lens that we look through always. We don't even think about it. More than race, more than your age, more than your nationality, gender is the first lens that you look through all of the time. Pretty big deal. Our culture has a lot to say about gender, and we're getting a lot of mixed messages. Uh, media likes to say that uh, girls, you can do anything, but the other side of it is, but you better look good while you're doing it. Uh, boys, you need to be strong, but not too strong. Now, in the name of equality, our culture is trying to erase the differences of men and women. Now, I believe that they are correct to say that gender is as much internal as external. And I would say that even more. But they are wrong to think that we get to choose our gender or that God makes mistakes. 
These are critical things that are going to sound contrary to what the world is saying. So these things are going to cause, uh, like, like they're going to they're going to get your attention because they're going to start to sound stodgy or rigid or biased or sexist. But we have to be careful that we are filtering our thoughts and our minds through the Word of God, not the Word of man. How does all of this make us feel? It makes us confused, frustrated. We shouldn't have to chase a moving target I heard from a dad on the second week of our uh, Something Beautiful series. He said, thank you for preaching on this. He said, my kid just came home this last week and said, Dad, how many genders do you think there are? This is a question? But it is a question. And his son looked at him with genuine curiosity, a genuine desire to know the truth and say, I just read on the internet that there are 37. Now, I, I can't even respond to that. We have to pay attention to the agenda behind the message. Now, usually, the agenda behind the message is somebody just wants the cash in my pocket. Right? So the average message on TV, the average advertisement, the average picture in the car magazine I like to read or whatever, they just want my money. But God wants us to be aware of what is also happening. The enemy wants our soul. Ephesians 6.12 says this, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Bummer, dude. John 10.10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. We have an enemy whose primary motivation is to use whatever means necessary to ruin our day. No, actually to kill you. And he is satisfied if he can just distract you. So his, his success range is anywhere from distracting you and confusing you all the way to fully on destroying you. Well, pastor, I'm just here for my little Jesus loves me spiel this week. I, 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 don't, really, I don't really know about all that enemy stuff. Or, or eh, can, you just, can you just tell me that I need to have a better week this week and that God loves me. Jesus did not stretch out His arms on a cross that He carried up a hill after He had been beaten so that He could give up His life just so that we could tune out the danger of the world and just feel better about ourselves. He didn't pay for the debt of your sins and defeat death only for us to survive. God wants us to be victorious. Listen to the other half of John 10.10. If you want to work on a verse and just read one every day this week, something short, 
This is it. So it says that the enemy's purpose is to destroy us. And then Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Most of the people I know are trying to figure that out. Because I think it's what everybody wants. It's just a rich and satisfying life. And it doesn't take you too long to realize that rich has nothing to do with money. It has to do with peace and knowing that you've made a difference and the people that you love are, are healthy and taken care of. Right? That's what I want. <clears throat> they just want to know their purpose in life and succeed at it. Sometimes success is obvious. Success is a promotion and or a raise at work. Success is being the first one to the finish line. Those are obvious pictures of success. But what does it mean to be a good dad? What does it mean to be a good husband, to be a good friend? What does it mean to be a good man? Men are judged by what they do. And here's the thing. We, we discovered this in that last series. We should expect the Bible to sound different than all of the other voices. We should expect it. Because if we modify it to sound the same, then we're not growing and we're on some other planet. We're not following Jesus anymore. His voice is going to sound different. He says that His sheep know His voice. Well, that implies that it's going to sound different. I'm glad that we can go directly to the source, the One who created us. The Bible is the written Word of the Creator. Genesis 1.27, this is the theme verse for both series. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Why is this the backbone of these two series? Because this says one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that we base our lives on as Christians, and that is, is that people are created in the image of God. We are not just the top product of evolved goo. We have been placed with, uh, we have been thoughtfully invented. But this says that we've been created in the image of God, male and female. And so if male and female represent or reflect the image of God and men and women are different, then I believe this sets up the case, and my argument is, is that men and women will each show different parts of the character of God that the other one doesn't, it isn't like their main thing that they show. Am I saying that women aren't strong? You're crazy, I'm not that dumb. Am I saying that, that, that man isn't beautiful? Yes, I am. What I'm saying here, and what I believe the Word of God is saying, is that there are things that men will uniquely reflect over women and that women will uniquely reflect over men, and I believe we can be okay with that as believers by embracing how God, the Father, the Creator, designed us to. So we are celebrating the unique ways that men reflect the heart of God by looking at three primary relationships that men have. Today we're going to look at 
how being a brother reflects the heart of God. I love being a brother. I couldn't say that every day of my life. I am the oldest of four. Um, my parents had a baby before me that is in heaven. But I grew up as the oldest, which means I'm the baddest. I've got a sister named Emily who's two and a half, younger, two and a half years younger than me. My parents decided that life was way too boring going into their 40s, and they decided to have two more kids. Crazy. I'm 42 right now. I could not imagine. No. So I'm 12 years older than my brother Christopher, and I'm 14 years older than my sister Molly. And that's a little different, and especially when you compound that with the fact that I got married a week before I turned 20. And so I moved out when Molly was five and Christopher was seven. So didn't really grow up with those two. They're just kind of the weirdos that I just say hi to at Christmas. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love them too. But Emily and I grew up together, for better or for worse. And what really happens, I think for most people, is you become friends as you become adults. And you learn to really lean on each other. And so my sister was single until a few years ago, and so I got to do things like fix things in her house or fix things at her salon and just kind of be the man in her life along with my dad and just be, I got to be the one she called. I lived, we lived right by each other and, and even still uh, she runs a salon in the middle of Pickerington and so I'll stop by every week or two when I see her car there and, you know, stop in, hug her, squeeze her, say hi and tell her what I want for my birthday or something like that. And here's the thing. We fought a lot growing up. Like, we would make up things to fight about. We would fight over who got to play with, like this is before you had electronics in the car, we would fight over the center seat belt on trips in the back seat. We would fight over our ability to look out each other's windows. Okay? But let me tell you something. Nobody else was allowed to fight with my sister. So here's a story. You'll like this. So uh, she had to be in uh, middle school. This is when like schools made sense. Middle school was 6th, 7th, and 8th. High school was everything else above. Very simple. She's getting bullied by a boy because there was no girl that would mess with my sister, so only boys would. And so she's like upset about this. And now she could, most boys were smart enough not to mess with her. But this kid was laying into her. And so I'm, you know, I'm 16. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. This little eighth grade twerp is going to go down. So I tell her, where's, this is unbeknownst to mom and dad. I said, let's go drive and you show me because this was happening on the bus. I said, let me, show me where this kid lives, and I'll take care of it. So she points out the house. I make sure, you know, she's not with me or whatever, and so I pull up at the end of the driveway, and I knock on the door, and I'm ready to just, we're going to do whatever this is, whatever it takes. 
And so I start bawling this kid out who comes to the door, and I said, you don't mess with my sister. Next thing you know, the dad is apparently home. And he looks, he's like, what's going on? And then he yells, and I forget the name he yells, but he says basically like something, Junior, there's a boy on the porch your size. This kid had a big brother that I went to school with that I didn't know about. And he was bigger than me. And so eighth grade boy backs off. And now we've got two high schoolers battling for the sake of... So this big boy comes out. He was kind of a soft-hearted kid, but his dad was like, sick him. And I'm like, oh, good. So we rolled around on the front lawn for a while, and then everything was fine. Because that's what guys do. You just need, to, just need to sock each other and move on. It is good to have a brother. Let me tell you about some other brothers. Because there's a saying that your friends are the siblings you choose. I've had two best friends since uh, high school. Paul and Ben. I Ben preached a few a um, couple months ago and did the worship training and uh, Paul they him and his wife spent a year with us when we helped when we launched the church and they took a year off from their church and helped us get started and and man these guys are just always in my life and we just get together over food at least once a month and we hang out or we'll go to a car show or something like that together but they've walked through life with me. There's another group of brothers that I have. And that's a group of guys that have planted churches all within the last five years uh, that have all been sponsored by C3 Church. And so Pastor Conan has this group of guys and we stay connected and we basically live this crazy journey called church planting together. And we talk each other off the ledge when necessary and things like that. And then something else really cool has happened, and that is sometimes you get close to different people at different parts of your life, but my good buddy Jason, uh, him and his wife April have just started coming to our church, and it's one of those things where we kind of knew it was going to happen over the last few years, but it needed to happen in God's timing. And, and so God basically brought a best friend right into the middle of this ministry with me. And it's how it's supposed to be. All right, so let's get some, uh, we'll just poll the audience here. How do you think men are different in their friendships? Let's hear from a couple guys, a couple ladies. Go ahead. We don't have to talk. <laughs> are you seconding or you got something else? We insult each other. <laughs> you son of a motherless goat, yes. Yes, anything. Ladies, what do you notice that are different about men's friendships? Anybody? Yes. They don't, they don't text each other a whole lot, or at all. Yes, and we're fine with that. Anybody else? Yes. Direct. That's like a gift from heaven. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. I know something's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I know something's wrong. Guess what a guy will tell you? What I do to you? You made me mad. You don't even have to ask sometimes. They'll just come up and go, what did you do that for? Right? 
We have some examples of brothers and best friends in the Bible. Let's start with what not to do. Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. <laughs> Don't kill each other. So we have the first two brothers, and they couldn't get along. And Cain kills Abel. Another example of what not to do is in Genesis 37. We have Joseph and his brothers. We got Joseph strutting in his new coat from daddy. My coat is so much better looking than all your coats. And by the way, I had a dream where you all were bowing down to me. Now, if Christopher, my younger brother, ever came up to me and said, I had this dream that you were worshiping me, I would say, worship this and punch him. Right? Well, they scheme to kill him, and then oldest brother, who has a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of love for the little schmuck, he said, how about we just sell him into slavery? I couldn't, I probably could have tried to do that, but there was nobody buying my brother, that's for sure. No. He's actually bigger than me now, so I have to be a little respectful. But. So those are things, what's not, what not to do. What were the problems in those two situations? Jealousy. Exactly right. Jealousy comes from insecurity. Guys, how many of you have a shirt that your wife hates? <laughs> Put your hands up. I know it's true. Or else she's just been dressing you for the 20, last 20 years and you stopped having a vote. I had this shirt that I loved that said Coney Island on it. First of all, I think it's like a place I'd like to see. And second of all, I love Coney Island hot dogs. Like, I would drive a long ways for a good hot dog. Much to my wife's chagrin. She's downstairs today, so I can say a lot of stuff. Well, she's out of, she's out of reach. But I would see trash bags going out of, like, she, my wife is, like, anti-clutter. Like, if she was a, super, a superhero, that would be her power. She does not like extra stuff anywhere, which is fine with me. Unless it comes to my t-shirts. And so I would see trash bags going out with, like, stuff from, you know, like, not, like, trash trash, but, like, stuff from bedrooms, toys that she thought the kids were done with or whatever else. And I would see my shirt inside the trash bag I'd say that's not trash and so I would have to pull the t-shirt out of the trash bag and so this proceeded for a while finally I let it migrate to the garage for like you know this is what I'm gonna mow the grass in and finally it became what I checked the oil with on the car you know so it finally did migrate out there is one thing that looks bad on every man and it's not just the Hawaiian shirts from Costco. Guys, I know you think they do, but they don't. One thing looks bad on every man, and it's fear. I will be honest with you, I do not like taking fish off of hooks. Very unmanly. I do not like spiders, and I hate snakes. These are things that I don't need in my life. 
I will kill a spider in the house because I have to. I will take a fish off the hook if my son has buried a hook inside the body of the fish, but I would still rather just cut the line and let him touch it because they wriggle. But insecurity is the fear of not being enough. And it will undermine every relationship that you have. Let me say that again. Insecurity is the fear of not being enough, and it cripples every relationship that you have. And it will actually keep you from relationships with probably people that you could or should have. It will ensure that you walk alone. You might be married with kids, work with people. You might, might chit-chat with people at the gym. But when it really comes down to it, you do not have anyone that you're intimate with. And you might get as far as your wife, but guys don't ever make it in. Insecurity forces you to reject anyone that looks more successful than you in any way. Joseph and Abel are successful, so they are rejected by their brothers. And here's the deal. There's something romantic or admirable about a man who is able to stand alone. We have the picture of the cowboy at the sunset, or you know, or just the, the Lone Ranger, Rambo, you name it. There's something like idealistic about this. Come get some. You know, just this guy that just is above everything. It's good for a man to be willing to stand alone. And real men are. Everything else falls by the wayside. They're, they're going to hold their ground. I, I believe that's admirable. And a good man will do that. But I believe the best men always prefer to stand with brothers. That alone is always the the fallback, not the default. Veterans understand this better than most. You volunteer to fight for your country. Some idealistic, some ideal drives you to it. Some desire to serve that is awesome. But when the battle comes, you are fighting for the person next to you more than you're fighting for your country. And I don't mean that in any unpatriotic way, right? The guys I know that come out of the service, they refer as to the people that they fought with or served with as their brothers. Insecurity causes brothers to fight each other or to stay away from each other. So how can brothers uniquely reflect the character of God? We said that last month, sisters go through the details of life together. Well, guess what? Men don't care about the details. Now granted, if you put four guys around an open hood on a car, they will discuss every detail possible to the minute degree about what to do and what not to do. So don't get me wrong, details are, it's not that they're not important. It's just not what motivates them. Brothers just want to know, who are we fighting? Psalm 46, 1-3 says this, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. 
So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. My God will help me in the time of trouble. That's what I picture when I picture brothers. I picture I need you and somebody says, who do I got to punch? Right? We don't see details. We see mountains and we say, oh, that's okay. Let's go. Right? There's this great phrase from a great movie. One of the greatest, most violent, fantastic movies of all time, The Godfather. And in it is this great phrase, going to, say it loud, the mattresses. I knew Burl would back me up. Mr. Movie Extraordinaire right there. Going to the mattresses. And they explain it. What does that mean? They're going to war. So the guys basically settle in together. The oldest and the fattest ones making the pasta sauce. Don't you love my references? And they set up mattresses. Basically, everybody's getting together, sleeping on the floor. They are ready to go to war together. It's go time. Pity the fool that shows his face right now. It's go time. I don't know a lot of daily details about my friends' lives, and I don't want to. I can tell you basically where they work, but if you ask me to describe in detail what any of my friends do for a living, I can't. I can tell you probably most of their kids' names, but I can't tell you how old they are. But guess what I can tell you? I can tell you that Paul and his wife are trying to adopt the baby that they've raised since birth from foster care. I can tell you that my friend Ben is trying with all of his heart to figure out what God wants him to do with his life. And I can tell you that another friend's wife has had to deal with a severe illness lately. And it scared him. I want to know who they're fighting. And I might not be able to swing a punch but I'm going to stand next to them. Right? I know the big stuff. Let's look at a great example in the Bible. We've looked at the bad ones. David and Jonathan. 1 Samuel 18 and 20. We come right off the scene of David defeating Goliath, and it says in the very next chapter, it says that God connects Jonathan's heart to David. Now what's fascinating about this is that David has been anointed to be the next king of Israel as a boy. Jonathan's dad is the current king of Israel. And Jonathan is the oldest son. So who on paper is supposed to be the next king of Israel. Jonathan. 
And so we talked about insecurity leading to jealousy, keeping these guys from walking together and fighting outwards instead of fighting inwards. And so Cain kills Abel, and Joseph's brothers sell him out to death first, and then their default or their back their backup plan is slavery. Jonathan looks at David and says, I'm okay with you being great. And David looks at Jonathan and says, I'm okay with you being great. And so that allows them to have this level of loyalty for each other that is almost unmatched in the Bible. There's something strong about men as brothers and friends. And in this, we see a piece of the image of God. God is our ever-present help in times of trouble, and He has a plan for us to be the men that He designed us to be. He created us male and female, and He creates everything with a design in mind. And all of the designs go together to complete a master design. There is nothing out of place. There's nothing out of order. Everything is on purpose and going into the direction of His intended will for everything that He created. He loves us and wants to help us be the men and women He designed us to be. What can we do to partner with God's plan? Because I don't want to chase the moving targets that the world offers me. I don't want to feel bad about the design that God has placed on me. We're being told to feel ashamed of traits that came from the Creator. Now, I should feel bad about being a jerk or being selfish. Those aren't entitled rights that God designed into me. But there are things about being a man that he did. And I want to know what they are, and I want to go that direction so that I can have success in his eyes, so that I can be strong in his eyes. Men, do you want to be successful by God's definition? Ladies, do you want to encourage the men in your life to be successful by God's definition? There's three simple things we can do to respond to this word. Uh, the first one is to see the brothers in your life born with and the ones you've chose or that chose you as something strong that reflects the heart of God. What do I mean by that? It's very easy for us to default to the lone ranger. I am just the king of just tackling something by myself. And even if it comes out of a good, uh, good thought of, I don't want to bother them. It's usually not of, I, I have to do this or I'm the only one that can do it. I try not, I, I hope it's not like necessarily egotistic, ego driving those decisions. Usually I just, I think, I don't want to bother somebody else. And I can just, I can just do this. So I'll just do this right? 
what am I missing out on? Somebody else is missing out on the opportunity. They might be the one supposed to do it, but even better is when you do things together. And so God has done something very special, not only when He gave us this building, but He multiplied our core leadership team. And so we've got people stepping up and covering things that I did just a few months ago. I mean, it's, it's different, and it's good. We have to see something as valuable so that we make room for it in our lives. And so seeing the friends that have come your way through time in the service, through working side by side, through uh, your, your flesh and blood, your, your, your actual brothers, uh, to you name it. How have those people gotten into your life and how can you walk closer with them? Because number one is you see your brothers in your life as something strong that reflects the heart of God. What do you do with something strong? You trust it. That's number two. You embrace God's design. You were made to fight alongside each other. Jonathan and David were secure in who they were, and this unlikely alliance protected both of them. First and foremost, it protected David because David, Saul was like this bipolar crazy king that would treat David like a son one minute and then throw a spear at him the next and actually took a, a, a whole part of the army and went on a big hunting trip hunting David. And then there'd be a time of, okay, I'm not going to kill you. You know, come back home. And, you know. and then I hate you again. This is fun. Jonathan was his inside source of how mad dad was. And actually, there's the scene at a table where Saul yells at Jonathan and calls him a terrible name, says, you basically son of a worthless woman. Don't you know that as long as David is alive, your throne is in jeopardy? Because guess what was Saul's demise? Insecurity. He made consistent bad decisions because of fear of other people and not accepting the call that was on his life. He was hiding when they were trying to crown him. Uh, he uh, does the um, sacrifice before the prophet shows up because the, the, the army's all restless and, oh, oh, where's Samuel? Oh, well. Oh everybody's upset I better I better do it because I'm afraid of what everybody else thinks oh and I'll send David out to fight the Goliath the, the giant I'll put my armor on this kid he'd have been a better man if he'd have walked out and died at the hands of Goliath right insecurity 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 he looks at Jonathan and says as long as David's alive your throne's in jeopardy. Jonathan sneaks out. Says, hey David. <laughs> uh, stay away. <laughs> right? What a beautiful picture. He trusted the friendship. 
And number two, if you trust something, what do you do? You lean on it. If you trust a foundation, you build on it. Guys, if you trust something, what is it? Your favorite brand of tools, your, the jeans you like, the car you like, the brand. What do you do? You buy 10 Hondas in a row or 10 Ford trucks in a row or whatever. You lean into something that you trust. And so guys, this is a process of first seeing the value of those friends to beginning to trust it. And then when that trust is established, you build on it and you lean into it. you got to make it happen. Guy time isn't going to randomly fall on your calendar. Uh, going through uh, the battle at work by yourself. I don't like to dump a lot of stuff on Danielle. I don't like to bother people with things. But God created my friends to stand alongside me. And they can shoulder that load differently than things that I want to, that, that Danielle is. Does that make sense? He made us for this. We get to go to the mattresses for each other. And no, we don't need a lot of words for this. In fact, sometimes we don't need any. But usually it can come down to just a couple where it's just, I got you. Okay. We're good. It can be that simple. But too often we make the mistake of never saying it. Or three of the scariest words to a man, I need you. And you can say it in code like, uh, can, we, uh, <laughs> can we go get some wings? Let's pray this morning. These six weeks of talking about men and women are, are close to God's heart. Humans are the last thing that He created. Second to last being the man and the very last being the woman. He set us up over all the rest of creation. And he placed this image, his image, on us. And so I believe many things like dominion and, and just uh, this, this, the, the power of God being in our hearts. I believe there are so many things that are just... Uh, equally across both both uh, both man and woman but in between the two he has chosen for us guys to reflect his heart in a few very powerful ways that are unique brothers are an ever-present help 
in times of trouble. The first thing I would ask us is this. And I don't mean to belittle anybody, but guys, if you have a hard time with other guys, there's probably a root of insecurity there that it just doesn't, you can ask God to heal. You can ask God to validate you. We're going to go into that more next week as a father. It's what we do for our children. We validate them. The Father God would, would show you today that He loves you. That He created you uniquely and on purpose. There's value to your life. There's value to your soul. There's value to the things that you bring to the table. And he wants to put other men in your life. This is something you're just going to have to feel the Holy Spirit show you and reach out to God to heal and take steps forward in. Maybe you've never trusted God with your heart. He's closer than a brother. He is your ever-present help in times of need. If you've never trusted God with your life and you are ready to today, I want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand where you're at? Father God, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for your truth. God, we thank you for the image of your holy self imprinted on each of our souls. And God, I thank you that you have a plan, a purpose, and a design for our hearts, for our character, God. And God, I thank you that every man in here would begin to rise up into who you've called us to be. We choose you and your plan, your voice for our lives, God. Let's stand and worship this morning. If you need prayer for anything this morning or something just is, is, is just something that, that God is just showing you, I'll be up here. Uh, Chrissy's over here. And uh, we've got other people that would be honored to pray with you. But let's worship as we close our time together.